Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Friday, May 26th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. In 1940s St. Louis, a magazine took high schoolers by storm. It was called Prom. It really rode the cusp of the teen uh, explosion across the United States, and it was part of it. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke brings us more on a new exhibit highlighting the magazine. St. Louis is boosting support for transgender residents. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman has more on an executive order signed by Mayor Tashara Jones. Jones's order does not go as far as Kansas City, which announced earlier this month it would not use city resources to enforce new limits on gender-affirming care for minors. It focuses on making sure that city operations and policies, especially in recreation and economic development, are gender-affirming. Jones says she wanted to make sure the order could withstand any court challenges. For some who thought that we weren't moving fast enough, we were trying to make sure that we did our homework first. Governor Mike Parson is expected to sign legislation that bars transgender minors from accessing gender-affirming care unless they are already undergoing treatment. Another bill on his desk bans trans athletes from participating on teams that align with their gender identity. I'm Rachel Lipman, St. Louis Public Radio. A new report says access to special education for young children is inequitable across the country. Missouri is below the national average in the percent of children receiving early intervention and early childhood special education. U.S. Department of Education Deputy Assistant Secretary Catherine Neese says those services are crucial. When we help kids get the services and supports they need at the earliest age, they have better life outcomes. We also know that the support and training that their parents get helps them navigate the education system as their children get older. The report is from the National Institute for Early Education Research. The fate of St. Louis's Fox Theater has been resolved. The two groups fighting for ownership have reached a settlement. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, lawyers say the deal means productions will continue without disruptions. Under the settlement, Fox Associates, which bought the theater about 40 years ago and then restored it, will buy the property it sits on from landowner Foxland, Inc., Foxland argued in court that it could take ownership of the building when the lease for Fox Associates expires in 2025. The agreement will allow Fox Associates to own the land and continue operating the theater. Jerry Griman is a lawyer for Fox Associates. It means that Fox Associates will uh, continue to bring uh, great entertainment to the St. Louis community at the Fox Theater for many years to come into the future. The purchase will go through within 60 days. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. Many in St. Louis County are urging County Executive Sam Page to veto a bill prohibiting pedestrians from walking, running, or standing in the street. Offenders could receive a ticket. The County Council passed the measure this month. St. Louis Run Crew founder Ricky Hughes says he frequently runs in Hazelwood and Florissant, and sometimes he says it's less of a burden to be on the street. A lot of areas of the sidewalks are trash. Uh, meaning like they're uh, broken apart, there's spaces sometimes in between patches of sidewalk. Others say the bill unfairly targets poor people without cars. Councilman Ernie Trakus sponsored the measure. He says too many people in the street causes a safety issue. St. Louis is considering new rules for short-term rentals like those on Airbnb and Verbo. 
St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports on the legislation recently introduced to the Board of Aldermen. The bill would establish regulations for short-term rentals inside St. Louis for the first time ever. Hosts would need a permit from the city and a license if the unit they're renting out is not their primary residence. Board President Megan Green says this process would make it easier to shut down a rental that is causing problems for a neighborhood. Getting that permit is is really aligned with a lot of other business practices that we have in the city. And we would also require um, operators to designate a contact person who would be responsive and available at all times. Green says aldermen are motivated to pass these new rules after hearing many concerns from city residents. The bill is currently in committee before it heads back to the full board. I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. Boeing is making another commitment to the St. Louis region. The company says construction is underway on a roughly 48,000 square foot advanced coatings center for next generation military aircraft. It's part of Boeing's Phantom Works unit. It should be operating in 2025. Boeing is not revealing how many people work at the new facility or its exact location. The Post-Dispatch reports it will be next to another Phantom Works operation in St. Louis County. Boeing has more than 15,000 employees in Missouri. From the 1940s to the 70s, St. Louis teenagers flocked to drugstores to buy a magazine called Prom. It highlighted the ins and outs of social life in local high schools. The publication was so popular, it may be a reason St. Louisans started asking people, where did you go to high school? St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke spoke with St. Louis Public Library CEO Waller McGuire about a new exhibit at the Central Library highlighting the magazine. Prom Magazine itself started in the late 1940s, so it was just when the baby boomers were on the cusp of beginning and the American economy was beginning to boom after World War II, and we'd come through that grim period of history and people were looking for fun and excitement, I think. And the baby boomers were beginning to be a huge market. And frankly, that's part of what Prom Magazine was about. The editor knew that kids had money to spend and they were controlling some of their parents' money too. So it was a really smart move to start marketing to kids and boy did Prom Magazine do it. You can see all of the major department stores and clothing stores up through the years, car companies, record companies, uh, appliance companies. It really rode the cusp of the teen uh, explosion across the United States, and it was part of it. It was a look at teenage life, at school life, at uh, what was going on with young people across the city. And although it was called prom, it touched on everything. How did the magazine work with student reporters? They recruited and found people in the schools, students in the schools who were interested in journalism and interested in student activities and encouraged them to write articles about what was going on in their school and their school alone. Sometimes they gave them cameras. They even gave them occasionally tape recorders, which would have been really unusual in the 1940s and 50s. So they invested a lot of effort and trust and training and showing these kids what they needed. And the kids really responded. They did a lot of writing, and some of them got really interested in it. And I've heard that the student reporters were also really popular with their classmates. Is that right? Yeah, I understand that there was a lot of effort to get into prom magazine. So your local high school reporter uh, was uh, your key to get uh, mentioned in the magazine. So yeah, I, I imagine there was a lot of recruiting and schmoozing going on in those days. 
Many things related to schools in St. Louis are deeply segregated. How did Prom Magazine navigate that? Yes, and of course in the 40s and 50s, it was even legally segregated, very damaging. Prom was unusual, I think, uh, in that it covered all high schools. That was its mission, to have representation and to cover all high schools throughout St. Louis. The magazine recruited reporters in uh, all of the African-American as well as the private and uh, segregated high schools in St. Louis. So it touches on all of them. Uh, there are very early mentions in the magazine in the 1940s of Soldan and some of the other seg- segregated schools. That was, I think, really pretty forward-looking in the day. We should credit the editor, Julian Miller, who um, made a point, I think, of covering all high schools. And we've heard from a couple of the reporters in the black high schools that they felt included, that they were included in all the training, that they had the equipment, that they felt they were full members. And, you know, in St. Louis and the United States in the 1940s and 50s, I think that was an effort that's admirable. So it's nice to see that and record it and make it available. I understand you all think that this magazine might have had something to do with the ubiquitous where'd you go to high school question in St. Louis. Why do you think that? That question is famous. I I was just at a library meeting out of town, and somebody mentioned that question to me as as something that he didn't see in New York, but was familiar with from St. Louis. So believe me, the whole country is familiar with St. Louis and where did you go to high school. The the way of identifying yourself and giving people shorthand what your background and where you're from uh, is certainly a St. Louis thing. But Prom Magazine very closely identified you with what high school you were attending. So I think there was a strong connection there. That was St. Louis Public Library CEO Waller McGuire talking with St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke about a new exhibit on Prom Magazine. Our Brian Moline edited that report. Ashley Lisenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. No podcast Monday. We are taking a break for Memorial Day. This weekday extravaganza returns Tuesday. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.